This is Ion Foxborough, the premier podcast for all things New England Patriots. Brought to you by Mass Live. Welcome back to Ion Foxborough. I'm Chris Mason here with Mark Daniels. And for the first time in a long time, we're going to be breaking down a Patriots win today. New England pulled off the upset on Thursday night football in Pittsburgh. Mark, how are you feeling about the Patriots getting back in the win column? I'm conflicted, Chris. I have to be honest. Um, it was it was fun to watch a positive Patriots game, and it was it was fun to watch an offense that didn't look like the worst in the NFL. But at the end of the day, you know, you roll in there, and the Patriots are at number two on the draft board for next year. And now, even after a win, they're still number two. But I think that margin for error is just that much slimmer when you're talking about a top two, three pick. It's so such a I, funny way to frame that, where like the margin of error. <laughs> like you know, you know what I mean. Like like all right, cool. They're they're still in the spot for number two, but they're tied with the Cardinals. They're only there because of strength of schedule. And you know, you have four games left on the schedule, right? You got Kansas City. Denver, Buffalo, the Jets. I don't think it's impossible to say the Patriots could go two and two here on out. So my my honest first reaction was like, it's great that they won. And I'm sure it feels great. But at the end of the day, I still think it's better that they lose, which is just a strange place to live in when you're talking about the Patriots. This is life at the bottom of a conference in December. It's bizarre. But I mean, just real quick, on I think they're going to lose the next three anyways, where if you look at like Kansas City, I, I don't see them beating Mahomes. And then it's like at Denver on Christmas Eve. I don't think they're going to win that game. And at Buffalo, it's been like a house of horrors. I know they beat Buffalo last time, but I don't know if you're if you're all in on the tank. I, I don't think all hope is lost. You know, I, I think uh, they still have some tough matchups coming up. And uh, I it, it's so weird to even try and frame like, and we'll get that job done, you know, like, right. Well, like the, the Denver matchup is really interesting to me. They're six and six. They've, they've really been inconsistent. And I was looking up last year. So get this, the Broncos passing offense ranks 26th, but it's actually their run game that they lean on rank, which ranks 13th. That actually, honestly, that plays into the Patriots defensive strength. They're a great run stopping team right now. So like, man, if they go into Denver and Denver's game plan is to run the ball, like I, I could see the Patriots eking that out. And, you know, we, me and you were talking about this before the pod started. I, I've been, I've never been on tankathon.com more in a season than I have this year. And so right now the Patriots are three and 10 tied with Arizona, technically in the second spot. What I find interesting about this schedule is that behind Arizona four through eight are five teams with four wins, you know? So like, and, and we have no idea what's going to happen the next five weeks when all these teams play, but like the Patriots, theoretically, I think you're right. If they only win one more game and it's the Jets, they're probably somewhere between two and three. If they win two more, it'll be fascinating. You know, you know what I mean? Like how weird will it be if we roll into that final week? The Patriots have, say, four wins, and it's like, man, if they lose, we're talking the difference between two and three or four to six. It, it's it's a strange spot. And I could really see Bill Belichick and the Patriots handing Zach Wilson another loss. The Patriots end up with pick five, and then Belichick's gone in the patch draft to tackle. And and honestly, it's it's weird to say like that's a fear, but at the end of the day, the Patriots' best path here is to get Drake Mayer and Caleb Williams, and no one can convince me otherwise. Well, that's what it'll be fascinating too, because the fan base I think has been pretty divided on this. But if it's coming down to like a week eighteen game against the Jets, and the fan base <laughs> is totally polarized, like what is Gillette going to be like? Like the fans that are there, anyways. Like I. I have no idea what to expect with that. 
But it's like, it's like you, dude, you could get you could theoretically get the last home game ever in the Bill Belichick era, and people are hoping for a loss. Like weird, man. Weird times. Strange indeed. But they did win last night, and let's let's break that down a little because I thought Bailey Zappi looked pretty good in that game. You know, life certainly handed him lemons in the wide receiving core that he was given, where no Devontae Parker who was ruled out, no Pop Douglas, no Kayshawn Booty, Kendrick Bourne on injured reserve. He was it, it felt like the deck was stacked against him, and he still found a way to put up 21 first half points. You know, they got ahead, stayed ahead. It wasn't it wasn't the prettiest in the second half by any means, but they did enough to win. And I thought that was a an encouraging performance from Zappy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There were there really, you know, he, he completed 19 passes over four quarters, and really there were four, I thought, or three. I'm trying to think. Yeah, there, there were three that really stuck out to me. In the first drive, hitting Juju Smith Schuster for a 37-yard game. Now, this pass was underthrown, and Juju had two guys around him. And unlike anything we've seen from Juju this season, he actually goes up over two different defensive backs, makes a great, great catch. And then in, I think it was the second or third quarter, he he runs this. It, it almost looked like a quick slant or maybe just up the seam. And yards after the catch, man, he got like 24 yards. And I want to say like 14 of those came run after the catch. Yep. Great plays by Juju Smith-Schuster. And frankly... Those type of players are things we haven't seen from anyone. Like, who on the Patriots roster has actually caught a deep pass over people? The answer is no one, Chris. No one. We've, yep. seen, we've seen drop passes by Jalen Rhaegar, Devontae, Devontae Parker, and Tyquan Thornton over the last, what, five weeks? And, and they've all been fairly detrimental to the Patriots' success, yep. I would say. So seeing a receiver actually do something, like actually go above and beyond, to me was – one was shocking, but it's a great development. I mean, clearly Juju was excited to be back in Pittsburgh, yep. but him actually playing well and finishing with four catches for 90 yards was really huge. And it, you see right there what can happen when you have a receiver who's actually above average or plays above average. That was huge. The other one I wanted to say, I, you need to give Bailey Zappi props for his 24-yard touchdown pass to Hunter Henry. It was yep. an amazing throw. I, I don't think it's wrong to say it might be the best throw by a Patriots quarterback this season. Frozen rope. It was a similar play to where... Mac Jones was intercepted in Miami on um, Jalen Ramsey. Um, mm -hmm. The difference there is that the receiver he was trying to hit had a defensive back behind him, whereas this didn't. And Bailey just threw an amazing, amazing pass. Those yeah. are the other things, Chris. And there's one more thing I want to actually hit on. The Patriots actually used a third down back, kind of. Like, Zeke Elliott was not efficient running the ball. He averaged 3.1 yards per carry. But seven catches, 72 yards and a touchdown. I have to be honest. If Ramondre Stevenson does come back this year, and I'm not sure he will, I think they should use Zeke on third down. In fact, I think they should bring Zeke back next year and use him on third down. What Zeke gave you in the passing game is something you've been severely lacking since the days of James White. So I thought between the big plays, a great throw by Bailey Zappi, and Zeke in the pass game really gave this offense a, a new look. Yeah, I thought the touchdown throw to Hunter, the second one really, um, just showed you everything that you needed to know about Bailey Zappi right now. And the biggest difference between him and Mac Jones is that he's playing with a ton of confidence. Like he needed to be confident to make that throw and he had the arm to do it. You know, if that ball is a few inches to the right or a half second later, there's a good chance it's deflected or picked off, but you know, Zappi had the confidence and he delivered. That was a perfect ball. Like you said, probably the best throw we've seen from Patriots quarterback all year. As for Zeke, I thought he was tremendous in this game. I would definitely bring him back next year at the right price where I think he's kind of been everything you want. And he, I don't think he's really gotten to show you what he has in the tank because they played from behind so often this year, you know, and that's one thing where 
for a while, Ramondre wasn't getting enough touches either. Like team was built to get the ball in the hands of those two guys a decent amount. And it just wasn't happening because when you fall behind by two scores all the time, you're just chasing points. Whether or not Belichick's going to say that, like he did last night, you hear that where he's like the the back and forth about scoring points and uh, like, well, when you're down 10, a uh, different tangent. But um, yeah, I thought Zeke was awesome in this game. And it was obviously tough running for him, but he's still so good in the short yardage situations that like at the end of the game, when they went tush push it, in the gotta have it like third and one on the last drive, I was like, why aren't you just handing this to Zeke? Like yeah. he's been terrific here. He has the ability to make something out of nothing. And honestly, his first pass play of the game, which went for, I, it might've, it might've been a 16 yard one. He, he, he should have been down before the, you know, before the first down mar- marker, he stopped on a dime, made like two or three guys miss and he cut inside to go back up the field and run for like, whatever it was, 14 or 16 yards. His, his awareness and his ability to like make people miss has been really, really fun to watch. And obviously his, his best days are behind him, but he's been, he's been a pleasant surprise. Um, it, it, the first half to me was really interesting um, on how things were going right. And I think we also need to highlight the fact that what Bailey Zappi does well is what Mac Jones doesn't. And it's what happens under pressure. So when the pocket collapse, we've seen Bailey Zappi, even dating back to last year, he has the ability to either move up in the pocket or make a couple steps to make defenders miss and either throw the ball away or or make the right pass. That alone is huge for the offense. Like pass protection is never going to be perfect and what Bailey did last night really reminded me of the Detroit game. There was like one play that Aiden Hutchinson, Aiden Hutchinson yeah, <laughs> he made a miss and he dumped the ball off. And I'm right there. I'm like, that's what Mac Jones needs to do. And that's right. what Mac Jones hasn't done for, you know, for whatever reason, he feels the pressure and he panics. And then I don't think it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that over the last week and even last night and even today, when coaches, players talk about Bailey Zappi, it's he's calm. He doesn't panic. It to me, it's it's kind of a shot at Mac Jones, but it's also the truth is that like Bailey Zappi's best asset is his ability to stay calm. I don't think he has the best arm talent in the world. I don't think he's the best quarterback prospect in the world. Frankly, I think he's a backup quarterback, but his ability that he's so confident, man, and he doesn't get nervous when things go wrong. You see what it can do for an offense. And, and let's be real, the Patriots still aren't a top 10 offense. They won't be, but yeah. this is the type of team you need 20 points and let your defense was- go to work. This was watchable offense, you know, and that's a huge yeah. step in the right direction, right? Even if they were league average, if the offense was league average, they would probably be a playoff team right now, or at least in the hunt based on the way the defense had played. Um, but yeah, Zappi just is much smoother in the pocket and doesn't compound mistakes, you know. There were a couple of times last night where he just didn't have anyone and threw the ball away. And it's like, you know what? Live to fight another day, do that. It's okay to eat the football and take a sack from time to time. And he's been much better at that than Mac all year where when Mac gets under duress, it's like worst case scenario, just chuck the ball up strip sack, whatever it is. He just stops taking care of the football. And I think Bailey did a pretty good job of that in general last night where he did have the one interception this morning. Bill said, you know, it was a tip ball. And it's like, yeah, it was tipped because it was thrown a little late and behind Juju. Like I won't totally absolve him of that, but by and large took care of the football did, uh, did not to put his team in position to win. And again, with a really, really weak receiving core, you know, beyond Juju, you had Jalen Rhaegar, Taekwon Thornton and Malik Cunningham, who I don't believe played a snap again. So no, Malik, Malik Cunningham is, is, is oh for right now in, in the last two games, Chris, yep. but you know, also like, I found it what also was interesting about this game, like Zappy first half, 196 yards, three touchdowns, <laughs> zero interceptions. 
Second half, he throws for 94 yards, no touchdowns and interception, and the offense stalled. And I think part of the reasons why the offense stalled in the second half is they fell into the, some some similar problems that we've seen this year. Um, for example, there was one drive, Connor McDermott gets called for a hold, and then on third down, Bailey Zappi gets sacked. Mm -hmm. I don't think the offensive line did as well in the second half. I thought Bailey was under more duress, and they really had a hard time generating the run. Um, but also, Bailey did make some some bad reads. And the interception to me is like, all right, you threw to Drew Smith-Schuster, the truth is he wasn't open. And, and I get that he has a lot of faith and trust in his receivers, but sometimes when you do that in such a tight window, it's it's not the right play. And then on the next series, Zappi was almost intercepted on third down. It, to me, there, there was this point in the second half, Chris, I just thought the sequence of events was actually, it was wild. So Zappi gets intercepted. It sets the Steelers up well, like the 16-yard line. They go for it on fourth and two. It's a turnover and down, downs. Yeah. Zappi almost gets intercepted on third down. The Patriots punt, but it gets blocked. Steelers get that for a touchdown. They get a two-point conversion. And the next thing you know, man, it's a three-point game. So I want to ask you a question. At this point, it's a three-point game. You have whatever it is, four minutes to go. Are you thinking, uh-oh? collapse coming overtime coming like it, it was to me it was fascinating to see the Patriots get shut out the Steelers sort of make it a close game and to see what happened next I didn't think there was going to be a total collapse and that might have something to do with the quarterback and the quarterback play that we saw preceding that where yeah the second half wasn't great one thing that I did notice in re-watching it that I'd kind of forgotten in real time was that a Landon Roberts sack at the end of the first half Bailey came up flexing his elbow and then he saw on the broadcast his elbow was bleeding on his throwing arm and it's like I do wonder if that had anything to do with it. Maybe it did, maybe it didn't, but throwing elbow, kind of an important thing. Um, but I, I actually didn't think they were going to totally collapse. And some of that is, I think Pittsburgh's offense is brutal. Like we could do a whole other pod on the stupid things that they do and like how bad Mitch Trubisky was in that game where the Patriots defense played well, Mitch Trubisky absolutely helped them with that. But I actually didn't think they were going to totally collapse. Um the one thing, though, there late that I thought was totally inexcusable was the punt block, where it's like, how many times is special teams shooting this team in the foot where, like, this is another game where you have offenses playing, like, well enough, defense is playing well again, and then special teams sets Pittsburgh up with another short field because Ty Montgomery just doesn't block his guy. It's like, how yeah. much money have you invested in these special teams units, and they're still so below league average? It's third year in a row. They've been flat out bad. Matthew Slater, Brennan Schooler, Cody Davis, Chris Board, Ty Montgomery. You, you have like five guys who are frankly just here for special teams. And, and they the just claimed another one yesterday. They claimed another guy yesterday. And then they claimed um, Christian Ellis off waivers from the Eagles, who was basically a core special team, or actually was tied for second on Philadelphia in special teams tackles this year with five. Chris, the fact they have so many core special teamers and their special teams unit is bad is baffling to me. Like, Joe Judge is where he should be on the staff coaching special teams. And there hasn't been a difference. I, I It's just, to me, it's, as I think you even said last night, it's it just, it's inexcusable. We continuously see to the point I'm like, why are some of these guys even here? Like Ty Montgomery dropped another ball in the past game. He got right. blown up on the pump block. He, like, I understand he's a kick returner, but at the end of the day, kick returns aren't a factor anymore. It's like, would the Patriots be better off just having like a young guy on the roster to develop or a core special teamer like Ty Montgomery. I, I frankly lean towards the young guy. I just, uh, I'm I, I don't know. I don't know who's here next year as a head coach or a GM, but I just, I'd like to see them, you know, shore up special teams, but do it in a way where they have less core special teamers only. If, if that makes sense. 
you could basically just give Malik Cunningham Ty Montgomery's roster spot right now, right? And then, you know, where are you there? Have him return kicks, maybe play a little special teams. But the punt block too, it's like, it's not even like they had schemed something up that was like, oh, wow, we we haven't seen this before or anything. It's like, it's just blocking. And you're only playing so many snaps a game. Like, how does that happen? It, it frankly, it shouldn't happen. It's one of those things that's like baffling to you. And there was actually something else, Chris, that was baffling to me. And I wanted to talk about the offense like one more time. So I was thinking about some of the improvements that have been made. Now, they, they weren't great the other week against the Chargers the offensive line. But what's happened since I would say week seven, I think the offensive line is stabilized a little bit. Now, they've had some issues on the edge because Trent Brown has been hurt. And it, there's been some crazy play. But I, I looked up some of my own stats here. The first six weeks of the season at right tackle between Calvin Anderson and Vidarian Lowe, they allowed five sacks, six quarterback hits, right? So five sacks, six quarterback hits at right tackle for six games. The last seven games with the Wenu, two sacks, one quarterback hit, which makes me furious because me and you have talked a lot about this. Michael Wenu should have always been the right tackle, man. Like, can you imagine how much life would be different, say even for Mac Jones in the offense, had Michael Wynn been the right tackle all along. Like, like last night, I like he's one of my gold stars of the game because he kept TJ Watt in check. Michael Wynn was so good in Pittsburgh at right tackle. I'm thinking, one, this guy's getting paid. Two, the Patriots need to be the ones to pay him. But three, why the hell hasn't he been there the entire time? It drives me crazy. It makes absolutely no sense. Where, yeah, I mean, if you've been listening to this pod, if you've been listening to us talk about it, it has been the like obvious, like right in front of you. Even Scar said it, you know, last spring. It's yeah. like, that's the secret weapon. It's like, why is it a secret? It shouldn't be a secret. Everybody knows that he can play there. You've had a like a gaping hole at right tackle and then moving him there. Been really good. And yes, he made himself a ton of money last night. Like his agent, honestly, when free agency opens, should just send tape of this game to all 32 teams and be like, hey, you want my guy? TJ Watt, you know, defensive player of the year. Nothing from him here. So yeah, it that it's one of those things that is just like it's right in front of you the whole time. Like, why didn't you just make this move sooner? It's it's really the fact that they started Vidarian Lowe and Calvin Anderson over him too. It, it's so like Vidarian Lowe's gone to the place. He's a healthy scratch now, Chris. Like mm-hmm. he's he's your third string tackle, fourth string. He's he's a healthy scratch. He's not good enough to be a backup, but for for whatever reason, the Patriots started him. What was it? Five games in a row or four games in a row? It was just so. So poor, but we can't end this pot or get through this without even talking about the defense because there are so many guys this year that have continuously stepped up. I think some obvious Jabril Peppers, um, Anthony Jennings. And there's one point else I wanted to make about this. Jonathan Jones, I think very quietly is having another sort of monster season for the Patriots. Now he doesn't put up the big interception numbers like other cornerbacks do, but after last night, really, he was targeted once. It was actually that fourth and two play, the last play of the game, which was such a dumb decision by Mitchell Trubisky. But was he, Trubisky like, was essentially 0 for 1 targeting Jonathan Jones. And the reason is Jonathan Jones doesn't give up anything in man coverage. This year, Chris, I have him allowing 39% of his targets to be caught, which is elite. It, he did that, frankly, last year as well. But, man, Jonathan Jones is really good. And, and I think there are several players like this on the roster that maybe we don't give enough pub to just because they keep losing. But man, some of these defensive players are really, really stepping up. Yeah, I would. Uh, yeah, John, John Jones has been fantastic. And especially when you juxtapose him with JC on the other side right now. And it's like, oh, OK, like you get nothing from one of them all the time. Um, but I would put uh, Devon Godshaw in that same camp where they've been so good against the run. And he's just anchoring that run defense all the time. 
but you know, run defense isn't a sexy thing to talk about. So people just don't. And like Anthony Jennings is kind of in that same grouping where you mentioned him and he was a monster last night. He popped a little more just because they were trying to block him with a tight end and it was not working. He was blowing up plays for tackles for losses, but he's just been so good at setting the edge and Dietrich wise right there too. You know, they tried to run a trick play, which they had like gotten a first down on in the first half where Keon white bit inside and didn't hold the edge. And they were able to like expose that, but they tried the same thing later in the game, the other side and wise held the edge so well that there was a seven yard loss on the play or whatever it ended up being. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a ton of guys in the defense that are playing really well, um, but they just don't get enough attention because the offense has been so bad and they've been losing games, you know? So last night, Anthony Jennings had three tackles for loss. And I just looked this up. He now leads the Patriots in tackles for loss, which honestly says a lot. Anthony Jennings is having by far the best season of his career. I think he has a career high 46 tackles right now. Another guy, too, is Jelani Tavai. I, I looked it up last night. I think his uh, tackle total, it's up to 87 this year. Jelani Tavai, for those who don't know, was a second-round pick for Detroit. People thought he was an absolute bust. He was drafted by Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn. He gets released. And it wasn't surprising at all that he followed Matt Patricia to New England. But I think linebacker, Chris, is one of those positions that I will forever trust the Patriots and Bill Belichick to develop. And it's like Kyle Van Noy was nothing in Detroit. And then, you know, he goes to the Patriots. He's great. Jelani Tavai, though, man, I, I was I was looking it up um, last night. He He's so good. He, he never topped 50 tackles in his first two seasons with the Lions. He was... Yeah, I'm sorry. He was he was 58 tackles for two seasons in a row, 19 and 20. And this year he's at 87. Like, what a great year for him. Real Peppers, even Mac Wilson's been playing well. This defense yeah. is fun. You know, if for anything, we have a three, was there a they're three and ten this year. It's not yep. been fun. But you know what? I gotta be honest, their defense is kind of fun. Yeah, linebacker and safety are two positions that I think I would always trust Bill to stock the cupboard with, where I mean. I feel like safety has been a strength of the defense forever. And now linebackers, it's, it's like you just said, he just finds the guys there and they really can like blossom in New England system where Tavai is the perfect example of that. You know, he may have gotten away with a little, a little offsides last night on that, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> on that punt that could have been pretty costly, but have you ever seen something so funny where like one team is celebrating so adamantly like they're getting a call and one team is dejected where Jelani's walking off the field, like ripping his chin cards off and then no. the refs just boot the call? <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, never. Honestly, no, it, it was so it was so weird. No, no, you know what I mean? Like, it's just it's it, it's like it's there it, wasn't there. Was there a kick last weekend where like. A coach thought he missed it, and the guy made it. And, and like, I'm, I'm like, I think it might have been Jacksonville. I think that, like, whatever. And basically, what I'm saying is, there, there have been times where people or kickers have been unsure if they've made or missed the kick. You know what I mean? That that's yeah. what sort of like I go to, but no, nothing like that. Like, it looked like Tavai was offside, and the Steelers would have a chance to tie the game, and it didn't happen. But yeah, fun, yeah, was, fun second. If anything, fun second half. Sort of a wild ride on Thursday night football. And yeah, that was the Bengals Jaguars game you're thinking of where uh, the Bengals kicker yeah. thought he missed it too, but you, they just cut to Doug Marone going like, missed it. And it's like, nah, it went through. <laughs> All right. Uh, gold star time. Who you got? Who's your, who's your guy? I'll let you pick first because it'll be a little easier this week. There are actually a lot of candidates. There, there's, a, there's a ton of candidates. Um, I, it's a really good question. I, I have so many I want to pick. I, I'm going to lean towards Zeke Elliott. Ah, 
<laughs> yeah, I always pick your guy. Um, yeah, every time. <laughs> seven catches on eight targets. I thought he did a bang-up job in blitz pickup. Zeke Elliott gave the Patriots the receiving back. Their offense desperately, desperately needs. Again, he was so good that even if Ramondre returns in like two, three weeks, I think they should play Zeke on third down. Yeah, and we haven't even gotten to the Zeke hustle play that negated a pick six and really took right. seven points off the board where – in rewatching that too, he's not, he's going like 110% trying to track that play down. And, you know, as someone that was playing a ton of snaps in that game, I, uh, you, you really just have to tip your cap there. Um, all right. If you're going to take Zeke, I will go, I'm, I'm going to give out two and they're going to go to Juju and Mike Wenu, where I think the two of them, really needed to step up this week. And I think both of them did. And they're a big reason why the offense put 21 points on the board and was able to get out of Pittsburgh with a win. 100%, man. All right. That's all we got for now. Thanks for following along. And we'll catch you later on down the trail. This has been Ion Foxborough. Brought to you by Mass Live.